Not this week, but last week, Rosemary and I had the chance to go away. And whenever, and I don't go away all that often, not to pause. And, um, and, and when I did go away, um, it was on the very first night that all of a sudden I felt like the Lord just speak to me. And, and I think the fact that I was in a different place, a good place, and, and, I, and I, I went to sleep about half past 10 in the evening and about five, and it was exactly five to one, I woke up. And, and, uh, and I sat up for about an hour and a half and, and, and I just prayed. And, and then I stayed up for a long time after that. And, and I really just had a moment with God in my life. Um, and, and I can honestly say, I don't think I've been the same since I went away. And since I think what God did in my heart in those days, because, I, because our God is a God who visits. Our God is a God who comes to us. Our God is a God who, who wants to be with us and us to experience him. And, and, and ever since I've been there, um, I just keep hearing the Lord speaking to me about trusting him. And I keep hearing the Lord speak to me about miracles now, a few weeks ago, I started, I started talking, and then I realized I was in the middle of this series called How to Prepare a Miracle, and How to Prepare a Miracle, and, and, and uh, I, I'm a big believer in miracles because I've seen incredible things and been present when there's been amazing things have taken place. And, and, and uh, I remember speaking a few weeks ago on the subject of when life is beyond what you can do, when life's beyond what you can do. And the things that I, I, I realised in that was I talked about the fact that Jesus cares about what we need, that, that uh, Jesus knows our needs, that Jesus always has a plan. And Jesus says to me, to us, surrender to me, surrender to me. That's always the way. I then went on in, in this and, and I began to talk on the subject when, when the only answer is the impossible because there are things that we face in our life that are impossible. And, and when I talked about that, I talked about the secret to the impossible, the secret to miracles, you might say, is, is, that we'll, is coming before God and saying, will you trust me when it seems impossible? Will you trust me? And, it and, what, and whenever we're called to trust God, it always requires our conversion, doesn't it? It always requires us being changed. Yes, Lord, I'll surrender to your, uh, to, to your will to occur more than mine. And I want to come back and talk about that this evening. What does it mean to surrender to his will? I want to come back and talk about that. Then I talked about, are you Jesus who you say you are? And, and, and we looked at the, 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 of Peter calling out and saying to Jesus, you know, Jesus, if that's you walking on the water, tell me. Make it possible for me. And, you know, and uh, Jesus, and, and so Jesus, it's almost like that sense often we have of Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And then I talked about because you've said it, because you've said it is I. And we know that right back from the book of, in Exodus, when Moses says to God, who do I say that I am? Jesus says, well, it's me, it's I. It's just me, you know, I am. And, uh, and, then, and then to pray, Lord, to change me. Well, in, well, what I want to do today is how do we get into God's will? And so I want to, particularly I want to talk about how do I ask God for help? How do I ask God for help? 
And, and, and as I sat up in the nights when I was away, and I went, went out and there was a room upstairs that just had three chairs in it. And I would just go sit up in this room all by myself. And, and I just sat there and for ages just sat there with God. And I reckon no one will ever be able to go in that room ever again because God just turned up. It was like a tabernacle. The place lit up. You know, it felt like, you know, anybody go in that room from now on uh, is going to experience the blessing of God, I'm sure. And I just, and just to be able to sit with God. And, and, and it's interesting how God wants to be with us and wants to be with us. But the problem is, is that when it comes to asking God for help, it can be confusing, can't it? All of us would know what it's like to, all of us would know what it's like to ask God for something only to find that he doesn't answer. Have you ever asked God for something and he doesn't answer what you want? You pray for something, you pray for someone, you have a hope, a dream and it doesn't occur. You pray for something that doesn't occur. And it can be confusing because when we look at Matthew's gospel, Matthew says in Matthew chapter 7, he says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, you read that and you read many of the scriptures and they all talk about that Jesus is saying, ask and you'll get. And yet I do a lot of asking and I don't know about you, but I don't get everything I want. Has anybody go, you know, got, you know, a hundred for a hundred? You asked a hundred things and you got a hundred things from God. I never have. I never have. And it can be confusing. And then you read a scripture like this that tells you why. In James it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Adulterers, do you not know that that friendship with the Lord is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. In the book of James, it says, on, on the one hand, Jesus is saying, ask and you'll get. Then the book of James is saying, well, you don't get because you don't ask right. Because what you want is for your own pleasure. And if you have a look at this, look over there, it says, adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Right? What does it mean by adulterers? What's it mean by adulterers? When I first read that when I was younger and I didn't understand the scriptures, I thought it was talking about adultery. But it's actually talking about something else than adultery. See, if we think about who God is, God's inviting us into a relationship where he seeks to be Lord and centre of our lives. And we we go back to the first of the commandments and Jesus says, you know, of of the Ten Commandments, you have no other gods but me. You worship no other gods. And when we read the Old Testament, the part before Jesus turns up, why did God get so angry so often? The reason he got angry so often is that the people, his people, the ones he'd called, would take, take and make other gods from other nations their god. What would happen is people would get caught up in the things of the world. And, and, and God, that just would irritate God because God was really about, about him being Lord and centre. And, and, and people would replace it. And so he would call them adulterers because on the one hand, you want to serve me. On the other hand, you want to serve 
the world, the world which is your own pleasure, and say, you adulterous you. You say that I'm Lord and God, and then look at the way you live your life. You've got another love, another thing that's dominating your life. And, and, and the writer of James comes along and says, the reason you don't get is because you're not going after his will, but you're going after your own pleasures, your own will. And we won't be given, if we're talking to God, what we want, but if, if our will is not in accord with his, which leads to a problem. Because, because, because then how do you ever ask God for anything? How do you ever ask God for something? Because, because or do you, are we meant to end every prayer by saying, God, I want this, and then, but God, what I want you to do, I want this, what I want you to do is your will. Say, so God, I want this, but I want your will. And the problem with that is that, therefore, you hear some people come along and say, well, there's no point asking for anything because you're not going to get what you want. He's only going to do what he wants to do. And you find people lose confidence in asking God for things. How are we meant to ask God for things? Because Jesus kept saying, if you read the New Testament, he keeps saying, ask, 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 ask the Father in my name, ask, ask, ask. How are we meant to ask? If he's a jealous God who says, I am the only one that you should worship and my will and my way, I came to declare heaven on earth, I came to declare the kingdom of God. But all of us here, I know I do, have things in our lives that, that are so important to me, to you, that we want. And there are things that we can't do ourselves, whether they be financial or health or, or our own identity or things we want for ourselves. Think of those of us who are parents, what we want for our kids. And, we, and, and it's, just, it's just hard. Rosemary and I today, there was something that we were very keen on doing but we're not sure if it's a good thing or the right time for us to do. And, and it was really dependent on some other people. And, and Rosemary and I, we prayed this morning. The details of it aren't important for, for, for this. But we really prayed today and, and, we both, and we both said, Lord, we really would like this, but we don't know if it's good for us. Have you ever done something and it's not good for you, but you wanted it? Yeah. And, and, and so we weren't sure. And so our prayer was, Lord, what we want is we want this, but if you don't want this, would you stop it? We want this, but if it's not what we're meant to do, would you make sure it doesn't happen? And it gave me an insight into how the scriptures, we, we, how we read in the scriptures, how people are meant to ask, because we're meant to ask. We're meant to come before God and we're meant to say to God, God, I've got needs. God, if you are my father. Yesterday, I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot. Yesterday, I prayed a prayer and I said to God, God, if you're the Lord of my life, it means that you are in charge of me. Therefore, this is what I want, your will. But this is what I want, then you make sure what's right for me. And, and it's interesting, living the life of trust where we come before God and we say, well, God says he's going to ask me. And then on the other hand, having to trust him, it's almost like they keep clashing all the time. Well, let's have a look in, in the book of Luke. Let's have a look at the book of Luke, chapter 5. I'm going to read two passages of scripture from the book of Luke. And they give us a really good insight into how we're meant to ask God for things and how we're meant to be powerful. 
How do we unleash power in our lives? And let's, we're going to have a look, we're going to read from uh, chapter 5, verse 12. Once when he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And then Jesus stretched out his hand and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he ordered him to tell no one, go, he said, and show yourself to the priest. And as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing for a testimony to them. But now more than ever, the word about Jesus spread abroad. Many crowds would gather to hear him and to be cured of their diseases. But he would withdraw to a deserted place, to deserted places and pray. So have a look at this. It's just a great story. Here's a leper. Leprosy were skin diseases. In, we think of leprosy in terms of the today, in terms of what leprosy is. But in the time of Jesus, a skin disease was often referred to as leprosy. And because things were contagious or they didn't understand them, the, the, the world was a lot more primitive in those days. The way that they handled things is they would exclude the sick or the diseased in order that no one else would get it. They kind of figured out these things could be passed on. They didn't understand what. But they knew that if we exclude, if we exclude, therefore we should be safe. So keep your distance. And so the lepers, when you came walking along, they would call people who were ill with disease. They would call out and they would call out leper, leper meaning, and, and would have a certain amount of distance they had to keep from you. Well, one day this leper calls to Jesus. He's covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he bowed his, with his face to him. Um, have a look at verse 12. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose... You can make me clean. If you choose, you can make me clean. Um, and, 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 and he acknowledges two things. Firstly, he acknowledges, number one, the will of God. If you choose. The second thing he acknowledges is the power of God. You can do it. Right? You, if you choose and you can do it. In other words, he has faith. He has, he has faith that God can. It's just a question of will he? And, and, and it becomes, in a sense, a little bit of a template for us about how we ask. We come before God never doubting that it can, but rather, am I, in, am I standing in God's will and purpose for me? For me. Now, we learn a couple of other things, and I would have put them on the screen, but let me tell you what I'm thinking now. Is that, is that when he asks, he asks specifically. It isn't vague. It isn't vague. This is, this is exactly what I want. Make me clean. It's not just, would you get close to me? Or I want to get better. I want to feel a bit better. Just improve me a bit. No, he says, I want to be clean. And, and, and it got me thinking and looking through the scriptures that when, when people asked Jesus for things and Jesus told us to ask, he says, be specific. I want you to heal this person. I want this thing. That is not, it's not a kind of general thing. It's this is what I want. Holding in balance all the time, this is the specifics of what I want, 
and I'm going to place that in front of you. At the same time, I always acknowledge what comes first is your will. So I know that your will is what I seek, but I'm asking you specifically to deal with this. I'm asking you. I'm asking you to deal with this. But I acknowledge your will. Because if you have a look, if you put that back up on the screen for me, verse 12b, when he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground <laughs> and, and begged him, Lord, if you choose, number one is will. You can make me clean. Number two is his power. Right? So it's very clear when we come. And, we, and so therefore we live with a demeanour that grows within us that says, I'm always after his will. So in a sense, we don't have to stop and go, God, your will, because we live in the default setting, the automatic setting, the place of your will always. And so therefore we turn up and we say, Lord, can you do this? Not saying, now, Lord, let me pray for your will, because we're already living in the place of his will. The committed Christian is always living in that place. The mature Christian is always living in that place of, of your will be done. Now, let me be specific. Have a look at the readings, at, at, sorry, the prayers of the faithful. If you go to a Catholic mass, it doesn't start with your will. It starts with, Lord, hear this. Lord, hear this. This is what I want. This is the specifics of what I want. I want these fires to the north of us that are devastating people's homes. We want them to stop. We want what's happening in Gaza and you know, between Israel and, and Hamas. We want it to stop. We don't want it to get better. We want it to stop. Right? And we, and we live constantly in that sense of your will always. And so, and so knowing that that is the mature Christian's default automatic setting, and we know what a default is. If I went and turned on my computer right now, if I turned it on, and you were to go into it, it's, it's blue and, you know, I've got the front aerial that I have and it's set up in a certain way. It's the automatic always setting, but the default setting of my computer. If you go to Scott, who works on our staff, and if you have a look at his default settings... I don't even understand his default settings because Scott understands computers so much more. He's got different colours and things in different ways and it's set up in different ways and that's his default. It's the automatic settings. In all of our lives, we've got automatic settings. Sometimes we face hardship and the person who has the automatic setting to panic will panic. The, the person who gets angry about circumstances when things don't work will get angry because there's a default setting within us. And our default settings sometimes are, are, are made up because of our hurt or because of the way we, our family background, the chemical imbalances in our lives. And the Christian life is about coming to that place where our first default setting is that we're always living in, I'm living in the, of your will and I'm living by the grace of your will and I'm living by the graciousness of your will. And so therefore I come along and now let me be specific exactly what I want. I don't have to say your will because I'm always living in your will. You might need to remind yourself from time to time, but I'm living in your will. And so he comes along in this leper and he says, your will, you have the power. 
you have the power. It's interesting that Romans 8.28 says, you know, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his plan. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his plan. You know, the greatest, the greatest hardship that you're facing right now, God can use it for good. The greatest struggle that you are going through right now, God can use it for good. Anything that can. And, so, and sometimes what God does in our lives is that what God does in our lives is he puts hardship and difficulty and struggle in our lives such that, such that those things use us to make us more holy. So uh, Teresa of Avila, uh, one day, uh, one day she, just before, before the end of her life, she went travelling and she came to a place where there were floods and she had to get out and, uh, and she had to walk and the floods were so great that she nearly got carried away and, and some of the nuns that were with her began to complain. And uh, as they complained, she turned to them and she, and, and, and she said to the Lord, Lord, why is it like this? And the Lord basically said, this is the way I treat people. And she said to them, well, no wonder you've got so few friends, that is. You know, in other words, sometimes God's doing something for our, for, because he has a will and he's got a way. Let's have a look. Let's continue reading in in. Uh, Luke, Luke, sorry, chapter 5, and let's read from verse, where am I going to read? From verse 17, and it says this. One day while he was teaching, for, teaching Pharisees and teachers, those were people that were opposed to Jesus uh, of the law, were sitting near. They had come from every village in Galilee and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal just then some men came carrying a paralysed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no one to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down from his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who's speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questioning, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralysed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately stood up before them, took what he had been lying on and went to his home glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen strange things today. Go back to the very beginning for me, please. One day, he was teaching the Pharisees and teachers of the law, were sitting near. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from, the, from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with them. Just then some men came carrying a paralysed man on the bed. They were trying to bring him to Jesus and lay him before Jesus. Now look at it. What, were they try what did they want from Jesus? What they wanted from Jesus is that Jesus would heal the paralysed, this crippled man, this paralysed person. That's what they wanted. But, but what, what is Jesus' response? But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Next one. 
And when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. What they wanted healing, Jesus doesn't want to give them healing. He doesn't mention healing. He doesn't do anything that heals them. Why? Because Jesus has got another agenda. His will is different to theirs. What all they see is fix the crippled body. Fix the crippled body, heal. But that's not the most important thing to Jesus. For Jesus, the most important thing is, friend, your sins are forgiven you. In other words, restoration to my father. My priority is different. And what causes Jesus in the end to heal is purely the criticism of the Pharisees uh, and the scribes that are there who criticise him and say, who do you think you are that you can heal? Very possibly Jesus would never have healed this man because what he was interested in was that this man, was, was sins were forgiven, that he was restored but we look at the story and we go, oh, look at the faith of those guys that let him down. And they did have faith. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But, but their agenda is very different to Jesus's agenda. Jesus wanted these men to be restored. And the only reason that he, he, that he goes on and he heals is because of the criticism. Have a look. Uh, when Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on her earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralysed, I say to you, stand up, take your bed and go, uh, go to your home. Stay there. He, look at it. He says, he said to the one who was paralysed, I say to you, but no, sorry, at the top, but so that you may know he didn't heal for the re what they wanted. He did it because of the criticism he was experiencing. Could it be that sometimes it's the will of God to leave us in the pain and the struggle and the suffering that we are in? And the answer is yes. Because it will purify us. It will draw us more deeply into his will and into his way. That's confronting, isn't it? It's confronting because we live in a world, the world says to us that to be healed and to be whole is to be perfect. It is to say that ease, and particularly in Western world, it is to say that, that, that ease is better than difficulty. That it's all about life easy. But I wonder if, I wonder if we were in a little bit, little bit more hardship, whether we, people would turn to God more. God has a will. Now, the default setting in our lives is that we as committed Christians should always be saying, your will be done. So therefore, when we see fires in the north, people were telling me today in the United States, COVID is taking off again. I've, I've heard of a number of people, a number of people who've died from COVID in recent times. You know, it's kind of fallen off the front page of the news, but it's still there, you know. And, and you look at that, and we're trying to run away from those things. And, and what we can do is we can pray as committed Christians confidently, Lord, bring this to an end. 
Turn those fires out. Bring this war to an end. Because we're standing already on the place of maturity of his will. Now, if you don't understand his will, that that default setting sits there, of course we want your will. But let me be specific with what I want. If we don't sit in that place, we do what I did for many years. Let me just talk about myself. For many years, I would just come to God and I would see God as sort of almost like a genie. That you shine the little thing and you go, God, I want this and I want that and please give me this and please give me that. But that's not what the scriptures tell us. You know, we read these two scriptures and Luke has put them back to back because he's telling us something. He's telling us something about how we come to God. We come, we acknowledge his will, we acknowledge his power. And, 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 and we know that we bring our needs specifically to Jesus. We know he can do it. And so it's specific. They were clear what they wanted. We want this man to be healed. And, and if you go back, and look, can we go back and read that from the beginning for a second? One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting near by. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Yeah. Just then some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no one to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down, they let down uh, let him down with his bed, though the tiles into the middle of the crowd, uh, through the tiles in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, whose faith did he see? He saw the faith of the ones who were lowering him down. It was it, it, when he saw their faith, what did he do? Now I'm not going to heal according to what you want. I'm going to go about my will. Why? Because of your faith. You brought the need. I'm going to, I'm going to go one better than what you want. I'm going, to, I'm going to be about restoring this man to the kingdom of God. Why? Because of their faith. Because of their faith. And so when we pray, we, we, we pray deliberately, we pray specifically, we pray perseveringly. And we have that heart of trust of your will. Um, and in, if you look on the screen, it says this, God has a goal for us and it's our eternity with him. God's got a goal. That's the plan. That's the plan. I don't know about it, if you've noticed lately, I'm getting older. I looked in the mirror, I saw a picture of me with one of my grandchildren. I saw a picture of me with one of my grandchildren today, uh, Willow. Willow is five, right? Willow is five, she's beautiful. And I saw a picture of her today when she was about 10 months old. And she looked different. And then I looked over at the picture of me and I went, oh, gee, it's only been four and a half years. And look now, you know, my face is just, You know, it's not, yeah, I'm getting old. I'm passing from this life. I'm on a journey. You know, when I was 20 and you think you're going to live forever, you're going to live forever, but now not so. Not so. And finally, let me read to you from Philippians. It's a beautiful passage of scripture, challenging, and will take you long a lifetime of prayer to understand And it says, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, 
by prayer, supplication, putting your need before God specifically, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's just a fabulous passage of Scripture. When you are in need and you have things that you're concerned about, it says, don't worry. His will, because you're standing already as a mature person on his will. You're not just praying a genie prayer, God, give me this because I want it, and shining the little vase. You're standing upon, Lord, my default setting in my life is your will always, but I'm now coming before you. And, you know, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. In other words, what's it mean, supplication to ask, with thanksgiving? Whenever we ask God for something, we must always at that point, before it is even done, and we give you thanks and we give you praise. We honour you and bless you. We glorify you and, and, and magnify you. You are holy, you are beyond compare, you are pure and you are wonderful. You are the God of eternity. So whenever we ask, we praise. Whenever we ask, we praise. Um, let your request be known to God. Do not worry about anything, but in every prayer, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what happens if we ask and we praise? Peace descends upon us. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so today, Rosemary and I, we had to make a big decision about something. We weren't sure if it was the right thing to do. We prayed to God. We said, God, if this is your will, you give it to us. And we would really, 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 really like it. And we didn't get it. And I looked at Rosemary and I said to Rosemary, I said, how do you feel? And she said, I'm good. She said, I'm good. He's got something better for us, his will. It takes maturity to walk like that. It, and, and how do you gain that maturity? It is through the discipline of prayer and surrendering our will to God and remembering I'm a mature Christian. I'm standing on the foundation of his will. He has the power. So now I come specifically before God and I ask, knowing that he wants not what I want necessarily. He wants to give me better. He wants to give me forgiveness and restoration into his kingdom. That's why when you go to church, you don't hear us ever say, if it's your will, we just go straight there because the assumption is we're mature and we know that we're not just putting our requests out like a, a little child does to their parents. Many years ago, Rosemary worked in a pharmacy. She's a pharmacist. And I was there one day and a sales representative came in. And the sales representative sold toys. And I was just standing off listening to the conversation of the sales representative talking to the people there. And he sold these little, these little cars called matchbox cars, you know, matchbox cars. And he said, he said, this is how you do it, you know, in, if you want to lift your sails. This is how you do it. He said, you put them at the height of the, eye, of the, of the eyesight of the three and four-year-olds. He said, we call them whinge toys 
Because parents will say, Mom, can I have them? Dad, can I have them? And they'll whinge and they'll whinge and they'll whinge. And many parents will buy them to make them happy and to keep them quiet. None of my children ever did that, by the way, but other people's children, you know? We, we don't come to God and we whinge. We come to God with confidence saying, let us, let us have your will, but I'm standing on it, so now let me be specific. So I thought I would conclude today by praying for our needs and for all of our needs, for everybody who's watching in all the places we are and in the, who knows how many countries around the world that are there right now. You know, to all of our hosts and to all of our people watching on Impactors Online, to all of us, why don't you right now stand on, the, stand on this prayer? God, right now I'm standing on your will. That's already assumed. We want your will. Now, Lord God, in my life, I'm facing some issues for myself, for those I love, for our world. And Lord God, we come before you and we know you have the power to deal with these. Father, come in Jesus' name. Now, now make your request known to God, the scripture says. Ask God right now, wherever you are, for the specifics of what you're asking. And so, Lord God, we come having made our request to you and may your peace descend upon us, knowing that you have, your will will be done in this area. Lord God, we ask that you would leave these things alone, that you would work, that you would bring to fullness these which we ask specifically. We know as a father you want, as we read in Matthew, that you want to give us the things we ask for. Allow our will to be in accord with your will. Allow us to surrender what our, our needs to you. But Lord, hear, hear the specifics, the intimate detail, the behind the scenes of what these requests are. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, you said to ask the Father, and we know that the Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, which is your power on the earth. So Father, in Jesus' name, through the Holy Spirit, we ask that you hear our prayer. And now, Lord God, we know, we know in faith that you have heard and that we will see miracles occur. We will see changes of hearts, circumstances that we can't deal with because we have surrendered to your will and we know you have the power. Lord God, come into these places. And Father, we do make this prayer in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. When we pray, we can pray quickly, we can pray powerfully, and we can pray deliberately to God. And so no matter where we are, it, it, you know, and, and we can feel, and you, sometimes you hear people say, well, if I pray His will and I'm, asking specifically, I'm not really doing anything at all, so I'm confused. We don't need to be confused. 
Just remember this, the mature Christian stands upon his will and then specifically makes, he makes their request to God, knowing that God is all going to do what he's going to do and will want the best to bring restoration, to bring togetherness, to bring us to his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Today is the very first day of Advent. Advent is the preparation time we have as we lead up to Christmas. Some people call Advent Little Lent, as in just like we have Lent that leads up to Easter, that Advent is kind of a Little Lent. In other words, we're preparing for the coming of Jesus. Can I ask you today, if you know people that you think would be blessed by the daily devotionals every day, uh, would you send them this link? Many people say that they met us during Advent or Lent and it has affected their life deeply. That's what this is. Now, the only way that we can reach more and more and more people is by people helping us to advertise and to reach another and another and another person. And I want to ask you today, would you help us reach more people by literally advertising? That's how we met all of you. Uh, most of you, is by advertising, spending money in order that people would find the message of Jesus. Jesus, we know, travelled. We know that Jesus was accompanied by uh, some wealthy people who paid for the costs, his costs and the apostles, so that they could go out and proclaim the gospel. That's what you do. Our Faith Builder partners who help us every month by their regular contribution, those people who give from time to time. And I want to ask you today if you would be a giver in order that someone else could come to know Jesus. Well, why don't we pray? Because whenever we give, it's an act of worship. And let's ask God to bless us. You can go to this address or go to the Give tab. And I pray the Lord would bless us. Lord, I just pray that as people's hearts are turned toward you, that as they give, that lives would be transformed. Father, come in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless us this week and bless all those we would reach and bless us in this Advent season. And Father, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, thank you for being with us. I look forward to seeing you and walking through Advent with you. Hey, don't forget wherever you are, God is never far from you. <laughs>